When you need mealtime inspiration, it's worth Shopping Kroger, where you'll find over 30,000 mouth-watering choices that excite your inner foodie. And no matter what tasty choice you make, you'll enjoy our everyday low prices, plus extra ways to save, like digital coupons worth over $600 each week. You can also save up to $1 off per gallon at the pump with fuel points. More savings and more inspiring flavors make Shopping Kroger worth it every time. Kroger, fresh for everyone. Fuel restrictions apply. Another day is here, and you're ready for it. What to wear? Check. Breakfast, lunch, and dinner? Check. Planning for what's next and how to save for it? That's where Bank of America can help. For your financial to-dos, Bank of America has experts ready to help get you closer to your goals. Get started at one of our local financial centers or 24-7 in our mobile banking app. Find a location near you at bankofamerica.com slash talk to us. What would you like the power to do? Mobile banking requires downloading the app and is only available for select devices. Message and data rates may apply. Bank of America and a member FDSE. Hey, Hello and welcome to episode 83 of Tendy Talk, presented by the Hockey Podcast Network and the BLPA Podcast Networks. I'm your host Joe, better known as Wash Up Goalie on social media. You've probably noticed this summer I haven't been releasing an episode every week like I typically do. While I'm always working on lining up guests so I have one for every week, I'm not putting as much pressure on myself to make sure I have one lined up for every single week during the summer. We have a lot going on around the house, and I'm prioritizing myself here this summer. As for this week, I'm joined by pro goalie, architect, artist, Kimberly Sass. I've been following her and her art for a while, so I was excited to talk to her. So, without further ado, let's get to the conversation with Kimberly. Well, thanks for joining me on the podcast. We've... uh gone back and forth, had it scheduled, then uh, I had to cancel because I was uh, out of pocket for a while, And uh, but here we are. We, we made it happen, so thank you. <laughs> yeah, po- podcast tag, basically. <laughs> yes, exactly, exactly. In fact, I, I think we were scheduled the week I went out to North Carolina, and I completely forgot about it, and you're like, can we move it? And I was like, yes, I need to. <laughs> Where are you from? I am originally from Chicago, but I'm in Minnesota now, okay. uh, for now, I should say. My, right before you uh, logged in, my wife was sending me houses down in Tennessee because we're looking to move. <laughs> so wow. who, who knows where I'll be next? Nice. Yes, yes. So I don't know if you've listened to the podcast before, but uh, it's really just a chance for me to talk to other goalies, you know, about the game, how we got into the game, but also life away from the game, because, you know, I've been following you on social for a while and um, you're more than just a goalie, you know, you're an artist, you uh, work in the construction industry with architecture. 
you know, you, you went to a, a school that's not easy to get into. So, you, you know, <laughs> you, you're you're multifaceted, which I think is awesome. And uh, as a father of a daughter, I, I think it's awesome to have goalies like yourself on that, uh, you know, can say, hey, kind of the old I am woman, hear me roar. Yeah, I think, uh, you know, unfortunately or fortunately, depending on how you look at it, female athletes, female pro athletes, especially have had to, you know, become multifaceted, have multiple careers so that they can play their sport, you know, and make a living. So I think from me, for me, at least it was in college being a student athlete, multitasking in, uh, I majored at, at Colgate, I majored in studio art and geography while balancing, you know, playing D1 hockey there and then coming out, going into grad school and then um, pro hockey became a thing like in my last year during my thesis of architecture school. Um, And I was like, why not? I'm used to, you know, (laughs) doing multiple things at once. And I think that might be a little strange to a guy potentially. Um, Mm -hmm. Maybe, you know, they're not used to doing that. I know, I mean, some players you know, take the college route, but not all of them that go pro do. Mm -hmm. Yeah. You know, and it's, uh, so let's start, you know, with the hockey side of things, you know, how did you get started in the game of hockey? You know, I I always like to find that out with a lot of people, you know, I know on your Wikipedia page, I think it said you started out with, uh, figure skating, you know, which, you know, so how, how did you get started, you know, trade in the toe pick for the the hockey yeah, skates. Basically, yeah. So my sister and I, um, my parents, you know, would take us recreationally skating, like ice skating. I think we probably went when we were three and she, my sister's two years older than me. So, um, and then I think our parent, my parents signed us up for figure skating probably when I was, when I was six or seven. Um, and the local coach for a girls team in a boys organization for the Amherst youth hockey organization, um, kind of approached my dad at the rink at figure skating practice. And he was like poaching, um, <laughs> figure skaters to come join the hockey side. And my dad, um, played goalie growing up and fun okay. fact, he he knew the rink manager, the local rink guy. Um, so he got to hop on the ice with some like injured Sabres players uh, growing up. So that's oh, his name. <laughs> yeah. So, so your coach was essentially doing a Gordon Bombay, seeing who the good yeah. skaters were out there. <laughs> yeah. So my dad like was all about it because he played hockey. Um, so yeah, I was seven. We played for Amherst Youth Hockey. Our team was the Mighty Ducks my first year playing. <laughs> I played, I tried to play out, but um, I think like all the coaches were like, Kim, why don't you try goalie? Because I was not good. And uh, <laughs> I, I just loved having the special equipment and I thought that was the coolest thing. So um, I tried it. And ever since then, like I, I just stuck with it and we didn't rotate goalie position anymore. <laughs> so my dad was um, my goalie coach from, you know, then on basically um, until college. So that's awesome. You know, and I, I think so many of us goalies, you know, I, I've talked to a few, who you know, they play skated oh. out for the first few years, but and then they, you know, 
were forced into the net or whatever reason they got in there. But so many of us were just like, no, this is where I belong. This is where I want to be, you know, and, and, you know, sometimes because we weren't great skaters, but I I don't know. I I just feel like we're all destined to, you know, at some, some weird reason we're just destined to be between the pipes. It was, it just seemed much more simple. Like you have like one job. Yeah. I mean, I, not to say that you don't have to be coordinated to be a goalie, but just being, I don't know, forward seems like you have to have way more coordination. I know for me, one of the reasons I wanted to play goalie is because I couldn't master the hockey stop when I first started skating. <laughs> I was like, well, goalies don't seem to have to do that. So, yeah, and I was a catcher in baseball. So it was like, it, it, it all, it all worked. <laughs> I was a catcher too in softball. Yeah, you know, my my dad always said, you know, I don't know what it was with you and the equipment, but you you like to have it on. Mm-hmm. Uh, so, yeah, so you, you get you start playing goalie. You know, I I know in New York, you know, it's kind of like Minnesota and Michigan, and that they had girls high school sooner than other states. Uh, did did they mm-hmm. have girls high school hockey when you were growing up, or you know, what was that scene like? So they had. Not for public school. You know, if you went to a private school, you could play girls' high school hockey. So a lot of my friends went to Nichols School and went, you know, private school for high school. But I did public school at Williamsville North, and they didn't have the, you know, public school girls program yet. They formed it the year after I graduated. But Mm -hmm. as a goalie, I actually liked playing with the guys. Um, So I played uh, guys or boys JV and varsity for my public high school, like at the same time as girls travel for the Buffalo Bisons program. Do you think skating with the boys helped you heading into college? I think so. Yeah. Um, I feel like at that point guys were, you know, they're, shot releases were like a little bit quicker than the girls. Mm -hmm. Um, so just like the, the increase in speed, I think just, um, adjusting to that, I think helped prepare me for the college level. Yeah. You know, and looking at when you played college, I I was covering high school hockey in Minnesota at that point. And, uh, you know, the, the girls game, it, it, it's come so far in just a matter, you know, a few short years. But I, I remember going to those games and there was a noticeable difference between, you know, girls varsity versus boys varsity. And, um, but it, it, not as much. It is. So, you know, it's, I, I can see how playing on the boys team then probably was beneficial for you. How did you, uh, or I shouldn't say how, but what attracted you to Colgate and want to go play hockey there? So in my, I guess, college uh, process, I made my little spreadsheet with my dad in Excel of, you know, what the schools were that had a graduating goalie, like, you know, my, the year I would be going or the year before I would be Mm -hmm. entering in. Um, also the schools that had a program that I was interested in. Um, and not only like schools that had a goalie graduating the year before, but you kind of have to take a look at, okay, once that goalie is out of the picture, who, which, 
what are the two goalies that are left in the program? And do I think that I can compete with them? Um, you know, if my goal is to try to be a starter at the school, um, you have to kind of like weigh your options there. Um, so I went to, let's see, Providence College, Princeton. Um, I was looking at a few others. NU. I knew I didn't want necessarily want to go to NU since it's like, you know, in my backyard, <laughs> basically <laughs> being from Buffalo. So yeah. Um, late in the game, I got a call from Colgate and they had a, a junior goalie who would be a senior when I would be a freshman there who had an, uh, an injury. So she couldn't play um, when she was a senior that much. So um, I immediately considered it because I think at that point, the only option I had was NU. Mm -hmm. Um, So went to visit the campus and loved it. It's like a small town, basically hilly in the fall. It's like, Actually, every season is beautiful there. Yeah. It's a Hallmark um, movie. Yeah. <laughs> so, and the, I like this, the small school feel, the like, small class size. Um, they had art and I thought I was going pre-med. That was a big no <laughs> once I started college. Um, so I immediately, you know, signed basically okay. after that. Now, you just said something there. So you went to school for pre-med, and I think this is important for all young goalies. So many people I know start college with one thing in mind and go a different way. What drove you away from being pre-med? Probably, I think, calculus. (laughs) (laughs) Like, just some of the prereqs that you had to have. Um which is funny because what you do now, you probably use some calculus. I, I use some, definitely use some math. Um, <laughs> yeah. But I, I think just like also juggling the whole hockey time commitment plus something mm-hmm. else. Um, and not to say that art isn't time consuming at all. There was a lot of all-nighters that I had to, to do for that. But um, I just I just immediately knew that it wasn't for me. taking like the prereqs basically well and i think it's interesting once once we get to college we start studying what we're interested in and not just what's required of us like in high Mm -hmm. school and so when you're pulling those all-nighters yeah you're pulling an all-nighter but it's in something you enjoy so yeah it's not as annoying um especially you know my my friends who are art majors you know they'd be in the studio all night but to them that's where they wanted to be anyway yeah, we're passionate about it. And, you know, yeah. I think my FSEM, like freshman seminar class, was also like a psychology of birds class. <laughs> like, no, this is not it. Yeah. So. Uh, kudos to the professor who was able to convince a board that, hey, we need to have a psychology of birds yeah. class because they're birds. Yep. <laughs> you know, put the... F- yeah. Put the food out and they're happy. Uh, <laughs> kind of like goalies. Leave yeah. us alone and we're happy. <laughs> There's not much to think about there. Yeah. Um, you know, so y- you go through, you know, your four years at Colgate, you play, but then you're like, you know what? I'm not done with school. I want to go to grad school. And you major 
or I shouldn't in grad school, it's not majoring, but, but you go for architecture and yeah. I'm interested in this because I thought when I was younger, I was either going to be a pilot until I realized if I joined the uh, Navy or Air Force, they'd be shooting back at me. So it's like, that's out the window. But I loved Legos as a kid. I was always building stuff. I thought I was going to be an architect until I saw how much math was involved. So <laughs> what what is it about architecture that you love? Because I still love taking, you know, the architectural tour in Chicago down the river. I, I love I just that side of things. That. Yeah. <laughs> so um, my dad has a engineering degree, mechanical engineering. He deals with I guess he's an account executive deals with sales of mechanical equipment. So he's in that, he's already in that realm. And I actually did not want to pursue grad school. I was so, you know, attached to hockey at that point, like didn't, I wasn't really even thinking of the future to be honest. Mm -hmm. Um, so my parents, like this was like winter break in December you know, really urged me to, uh, finish my portfolio, um, to apply to grad school, um, getting like my tests done to, to Mm -hmm. apply. Um, so I had to put together all my artwork. Um, that's what I used to, for a portfolio to apply to grad school for architecture. Um, my parents felt like that was a more stable career path than um, being a full-fledged artist. So um, I reluctantly <laughs> listened to them and got all my stuff together, applied, um, got into some really good schools, actually. Um, but I think it came down to I don't want to be in debt for the rest of my mm-hmm. life. So chose the public school at home route at U- University of Buffalo. Um, so moved home right after undergrad, um, and I wasn't finished with my prereqs even for architecture. So I had an 8 a.m. physics class in the summer. So I was legitimately depressed, though, um, <laughs> like mental health, like after hockey. Um, I just knew that I wasn't done playing mm-hmm. um, or didn't think I should be done playing um, and just, you know, being forced into something that I didn't necessarily know that I was going to enjoy, you know, um, just was not a good mix. So was now, not, not really happy for yeah. <laughs> that summer so, even going into school, but. So we'll touch on that part of, you know, the not being happy when that playing career ends, but I, I, I'm curious to know as we're looking at houses down, there's so many different styles. What is your favorite architectural style? You know, is it kind of that modern? Is it the old craftsman? You know, what's your favorite style? I would say modern and I'm loving what, um, especially around Buffalo and like Rust Belt cities, what they're doing with like old warehouse buildings and turning Mm -hmm. them, you know, like rehabbing them into that modern crossover between modern and industrial, like old school feel. So, um, if I could, I would love to buy a warehouse and make like a live work situation um, for my art studio. We'll get into that later. I'm assuming. Yeah. 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 <laughs> yeah. No, my, growing up, my dad was a fireman and I always thought like I was going to buy this old rundown firehouse and rehab it into my yeah. living space. But that, that hasn't happened. And I, 
I, I know my well, my wife well enough to know that won't happen either. And so I've given that one up, but I would say mine is probably like a craftsman modern, if that's even a, uh, a style, but I, I, I like that craftsman. Like rustic, you mean? <sighs> kind kind of. of. Yeah. That, that I, I know some people use the term farmhouse modern, but I'm not a farmhouse person. No, but okay. I, I, I like those modern straight lines, clean, but still yeah. my grandfather was a Finnish carpenter. So I love that woodwork and the trim work. It's like there, there's some cool stuff there. And having grown up in Chicago, you know, walking down, the, you know, magnificent mile and going down the river there's some great buildings but then you got them right next to these crazy ultra modern ones it's like right i like them both you know the the the, i think of um the the wrigley building in tribune tower right next to the ultra modern trump tower and it's like architecturally they're all awesome buildings but they're just Mm -hmm. right there next to each other i love the mix in chicago of yeah the new the old and then there's some that are like combo yeah Um, it's a it's a really cool city to visit yeah i I like those ones that are kind of able to mix the old with the new but Mm -hmm. then you get down to you know by water tower that survived the chicago fire and there's a firehouse there i absolutely love it and it survived the fire and you walk in there it still has the wood beadboard ceilings but when you go around to the back there's a door on the second floor to nowhere. And people are like, why did they put that there? Well, when that firehouse opened, they had horse-drawn engines. Mm. So that was the the door to the hayloft. And if you Gotcha. Oh, I can't hear you. My... Oh, there we go. I My mic plugged. I, 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 I uh, bumped it, but... They would hoist the hay up, up to the hayloft, and uh, yeah. So it's just one of the, I think, one of the prettiest firehouses in the country. Um, on top of that, uh, so back to what you had mentioned of you know you weren't ready for hockey to be over, and I, I think for a lot of hockey players, not just goalies, in athletes in general that play at a high level, you know, college and beyond, there comes that time where the the competitive days are over. You know, there's always the beer leagues and the beer leagues are awesome. I love them. But that competitive side, that competitive journey is ending and mm-hmm. we don't know what to do with ourselves. It's um, like beer league is not the same. My, no. I've, I tried it like, you know, soon yeah. after uh, undergrad hockey, college hockey was over. And I remember getting so pissed at like, at my team basically because no one was playing defense and my boyfriend plays roller hockey and he you know skated out he tried ice hockey Mm -hmm. and he thought I was like pissed at him for because he plays D (laughs) and like not playing well or something I'm like no I'm just furious like you don't understand right now (laughs) it's just not the same um you know as competing at at like you know you're not you're not you don't have that pride either. Like in college, you're, you're all working together for mm-hmm. your team, you know? And I just feel like beer league is, it's not that sometimes. So, you know, it, it took me a few seasons to accept and understand that, mm-hmm. um, you know, it, and it was at times it was um, understanding, like they didn't play to the level I did. Um, 
you know, they can't see that they need to move to catch that pass and they should have that pass and there's no excuses. Yeah. Um, but they're just like, oh, it wasn't to me. I didn't, I shouldn't have to skate to it. It's like, no, you should be able to, you know, so once I understood that part of it, I started to understand it more. And then I was listening to the Goalie by Garmin podcast. I loved them because they're like five, 10 minute podcasts. And you brought up the control the things, focus on the things you can control. And mm-hmm. once I realized I could not control any of my teammates, only yeah. my own movements, I enjoyed beer league a heck of a lot more because mm-hmm. we might lose eight to two, but only one of those goals was really something I should have had, you know? Right. And it's like, okay, you know, and as I've said it before on the podcast, we're at the point where as long as somebody remembers to bring beer and nobody gets hurt, it doesn't <laughs> matter what the scoreboard says. It's a victory yeah. Uh, because we're all getting older you know, uh, luckily, some of my teammates are getting a little bit wider. So as uh, the old Cubs pitcher, Rod Beck, said, you can't pull fat. So we don't have to worry about as many injuries anymore yeah. as we did. But uh, once once I accepted that, I enjoyed the beer leagues a heck of a lot more because it, it is a transition. You know, it, it used to be my teammates make fun of me because I still get to the rink an hour before a game to get in that right mental space. Yeah. And they're like, showing up 15 minutes before the game and I'm, you know, doing visualization drills and everything else. They're like, what's wrong with you? It's like, that's how I'm wired guys. Like this, this is what got me as far as it got me, which was JV back up at a D3 school, but still it got me there. Nice. But they, they they don't, some of them never played organized hockey until the beer leagues. And it's like, okay guys, but yeah, it's, it's tough. But you know, to your point too, there, there's kind of that depression can can creep in there too because you know for mm-hmm. some of us you know there isn't that chance to keep skating you know I, I i didn't play after college i went the coaching route for a couple of years so i was still on the ice i think that helped me not fall into that depression thing because i still mm-hmm. had the competitive side Fun of it where thing, yeah yeah but i think it's know. also like has to do with losing your teammates too like yeah and your friends in college um because coming back home it's like all right who do i still know from high school that still lives here you know yeah yeah that's a great point because as i've gotten older i'm in my 40s now and so many of us have reconnected on facebook and we we do live kind of scattered out and we're all like we need to get together for a weekend tournament just to like have that weekend of a team again Mm -hmm. you know because for those four years in high school, only those guys in that locker room know what that family was like. Right. You know, as much as we got on each other's nerves and everything else, we still want to get together. Yeah. Yeah. I think um, Colgate, I think does like for reunion weekends, I think the women's ice hockey team allows the alum to like all skate one of the nights. Yep. Yeah. Happening when I was playing there. My my college does that too, but it's it's kind of like an all years. So you know, the beer league team I'm on, one of my college teammates got me on the team because he lives half mile from me. Showed up to the national night out with the fire department. He's like, "What are you doing here?" It's like, "I live here." What are you doing here? He's like, "I live here too." He's like, "We need a goalie. Are you available?" It's like, "Sure am." But I've been able to skate with some of my college teammates. But again, one of the guys. He's got that backyard rink. He's like, we, we need to get everybody together for like a Saturday night skate. And as soon as yeah. we start talking about, of course, after outdoor season was over, we're all like, absolutely. Let's, let's get it on the calendar now. And he's like, it's not that easy. We don't know when the rink will be ready next year. 
it's, you know, weather dependent, but we're like, yeah, we, we need to do this because, you know, there's that competitive side of us where it's like, this is what we got to do. But to your point, that family aspect of it, it's, mm-hmm. it's almost like you're mourning the loss of a, a family member when you don't have that anymore. Yeah. It's you know, real. <laughs> it, it, it is. It, it really is, you know, but luckily we, we have things like social media now where it's a little easier to at least keep in mm-hmm. touch with those people. Um, it is kind of funny to see some of these people as we've gotten older and it's like, you found yourself, uh, you know, a spouse, like who the heck would marry you <laughs> and who, who would have a kid with you? Yeah. They only knew, <laughs> <laughs> you know, it's, it's probably also a good thing. We didn't have social media when I was in high school and college because yeah. they probably wouldn't have those spouses now. <laughs> um, so nice. somewhere along the way here, you know, you're, you're playing, college hockey and then you're getting ready to go to grad school and you know as you said your senior year there's this idea of pro hockey for women um how did that come on your radar and how did that come about that you know it was the first year you played in buffalo so my senior year of college hockey i had the choice like going to grad school or going to europe to play like some players older than me Mm -hmm. did that um i I believe the CWHL was happening then, but I don't think that they were even paying anything at that point. I could be wrong, but um, I just knew there wasn't like money, I guess, involved in that. And I didn't necessarily want to delay grad school since, you know, my parents thought that was the best (laughs) route to go. Yep. So I was like, no, I'm not going to go to Europe. I'm going to go to grad school. And that's, I was like, I guess I'm done, question mark, playing hockey. So then fast forward to 2015. So I graduated in 2012. Three years, I'm just like heads down, slamming coffees, doing the architecture <laughs> stuff, you know, sitting at my desk, like all nighters, like eating pizza, whatever. Yeah. And then 2015 they announced that they're going to have the first you know pro league in north america paying players um and i'm like holy shit i'm doing this like i didn't want to be done i have been doing this master's degree that i still don't really know if you know i want to be doing i'm gonna do this for me and so i whipped myself back in shape for, you know, in three months, because they let us all know, like, you know, the spring or early summer before the fall start of the the new league. And then I tried out for Buffalo, um, made the team. So I'm, I was so excited. It was so cool to be part of that. Um, And like, but balancing, you know, my thesis project and (laughs) writing that book, you know, while I'm you know, going to practice and some of the players like were fresh out of college. So they just like delayed starting to work and maybe Mm -hmm. had help from their families to support them for rent and stuff. So I just felt like there was like a team dynamic thing going on with like, I didn't necessarily fit in that well with my teammates at that stage because I was like laser focused on trying to finish. Right. Grad school, and they were like, let's party, like, every night, <laughs> like, every weekend, like, yeah. you know, drinking on the way home from 
like road trips and I'm like writing a paper or something. Um, <laughs> can, can you guys in the back keep it down? I need yeah, to down some trips. I was like, I was that teammate, like the annoying teammate at the front. Yeah. Um, but it was still a fun, super fun experience to be a part of. Um, I didn't get that much playing time. I actually, speaking of equipment, going from my sizing in college and then waiting three years and then ordering equipment you know, three years later, a lot changes. So I actually ended up with the wrong size pads. They, since the material, you know, you probably know this, became more, the knee roll is in a different spot, even if you order like 30 plus twos in both. So I was used to like, my equipment didn't fit me basically. And I had bloody knees inside of my equipment. They were too tall, so... Last year, I ordered my first set of equipment in 20 years. Um, so I went from, you know, old 90s era Vons to brand new Vons. And I'm glad I went to the shop to measure them. I was yeah. going to anyway, but I went from 34s to 32s. I think because of the, that. The difference between, like, this is just one of many differences between male pro hockey and female pro hockey. We don't have reps coming to visit us with like right. their bag full of stuff. So yes, like you said, we would have had to go. I would have had to go to a pro shop. Yep. Say, Can I try this on? But I didn't. Dummy, <laughs> whatever. Um, so that also I think contributed to um, potentially my lack of playing time. But we did have Bree McLaughlin, um, no big deal, an Olympian. Um, yeah. And Amanda Makala also, who's very good. So, um, I think I only played like one or two games, um, my first year. Then the second year, um, I try, I reached out to Buffalo and to New York and they had already like selected their goalies that they wanted. I think third string was open, but they weren't paying third string that year. So I just, at that point I was working full time at an architecture firm, like in last, the first seasons, second half of the first season. So. So, I was like, you no, know, I'm going to keep working. Hang on with that. Yeah. As, as you're playing pro hockey, finishing grad school and now working, like, yeah. w- what did your classmates and now coworkers think? Like, so it's, it's like actually embarrassing <laughs> a little bit. I, you know, so I got, I'll tell you a story from when I worked in New York, because this is where it like really hit home for me. So I walk into my new job in Manhattan at this firm and I had been playing, I played for the Buttes and then I took a year off and played for the Riveters uh, out of New Jersey for um, two years. Yep. This is going into my second year playing on the ribs, like when I got my new job and um, two girls, two of my coworkers come up to my desk and they say, Oh my God, can we have your autograph? <laughs> like they knew who I was. So they followed the team, I guess. And um, they're like, but second question, why are you here? Like they legitimately were confused because they're like, you play pro hockey. Like, what are you doing here? Yeah. And it's like, just like embarrassing. It almost makes me want to cry. Like, th- Like in that moment, I was like, yeah, we don't get paid enough. Like, yeah. you almost feel like you have to like valid validate yourself, like as a pro hockey. You have to be like, I swear, like I'm good at hockey because it's like they're like, why are you here? Why are you doing architecture? Like, go away. 
<laughs> yeah. Well, at that point, you guys were still buying your own sticks, even not just equipment, but your own yeah. sticks. The action never ends at DraftKings Sportsbook, especially this summer, with tons of ways to bet on all your favorite sports. You can fuel your fandom and feel the heat of the season like never before. Plus, right now, DraftKings Sportsbook is giving new customers a risk-free bet up to $1,000. That's right. Make your first bet up to $1,000, and if it doesn't win, you'll get another shot to cash in. You can throw down on all the major action for baseball, golf, MMA, and more. Plus, with same-game parlays, spreads, money lines, over-unders, and props, your betting options feel endless. As a Cubs fan, it's tough to look at the uh, standings and get too excited. But with DraftKings, I can get excited about every game by placing prop bets. Best of all, DraftKings is safe, secure, and reliable. You can deposit and withdraw all your cash whenever you want. Download the DraftKings Sportsbook app now and use promo code THPN. Make your first deposit and get a risk-free bet up to $1,000. That's promo code THPN only at DraftKings Sportsbook. Minimum age and eligibility restrictions apply. See show notes for details. So at that point, my fourth season in the NWHL, I was making $3,000 and I paid more in the equipment and poles that we had, we had to drive all over New Jersey that season, like ice wasn't booked properly for practices. So we were like hopping around to different practice rinks. And, you know, I, I actually lived in Brooklyn for half that the beginning half that season. So I was driving into work. Like we had practiced twice a week, Tuesday, Thursday. So in the morning I drive to work in Manhattan. So that's one toll. Then park my car, pay for parking in Manhattan, then drive through the tunnel again, and then drive past our, our typical rink in Newark to, you know, these other rinks. And then like finish practice at like 11 p.m. and then get home all the way back to Brooklyn by like 1 a.m. and alternate like street parking there. I would never find a spot, so I'd be driving around to like 1:30, 1:45 a.m. and then I have to like get up, you know, and go to work the next day. And it was just like there's no time for recovery. Like, what do you eat for dinner while you're like commuting two hours? It's it was just insane. Yeah, and so. traffic in New York, it doesn't matter where you're going. It's there's nothing that's five minutes away. Right. You know, it's, so it's always a, a long commute. Like, we all had jobs to pay. We paid to play pro hockey. Right. And it's, yeah. It's sad and, and depressing, like, to talk about out loud almost. And so, yeah, you know. Every into my art career, that's kind of like all those feelings were what fueled why I started SAS studio and got back into art. And I thought that was like making a whole show about the positive and negative experiences I've had as a player was like the most productive way to use my talents, you know, through my art to convey like what the realities are. So yeah, that, that is actually a perfect segue because first of all, your art is awesome. 
you know, so, so much of it is hockey focus, but it's, it's really given a message of like one playing goalie sometimes is lonely, but two, like the reality of women's pro sports, not just hockey, but pro sports outside of probably women's basketball, you know, they're better compensated than most, mm-hmm. but, um, you know, it, it's, it's like baseball in the 1910s where, you know, this you're playing because you love it, not exactly. because of the money. And, you know, hopefully the money trickles down, you know, and the next generation of girls can pl- play pro hockey and focus on pro hockey. Mm-hmm. Um, you know, I, I think as we look at some of the front office moves in the NHL this year, there's a lot of women filtering up through the ranks, and that's awesome to see. Yeah. You know, but will will that filter down to the pro pro hockey ranks? Will will we start to see you know more girls you know filtering up through the uh, the ranks at least at the goaltender position? There, there was that Gail picked last year in uh, Canadian junior hockey. You know, will, will we see more goalies at least make it to the pro ranks? Um, I think, yeah, I think we definitely will. And and as the money increases, I think the talent is just going to get that much higher because we're not going to be, you know, driving, you know, through the night, not recovering, right. doing another two jobs to survive at the same time. So, yeah, well, I really go up. I remember I was in college. I was skating at Johnny's Ice House in Chicago over break. And uh, Sarah Tooting was on the ice before me for a goalie practice with her coach before the Olympics. And then I can't remember which player from the U.S. Olympic team was out there skating with us. And she had incredible hands. She was just dangling around everybody. But her shot, it wasn't given by me. And now I skate at the super rink, which is the home of the women's U.S. national team. And I see these women out there. Because cause you're going to embarrass me now. It's just <laughs> how far the game has come is crazy. Mm-hmm. <laughs> um, although I, I think it might be fun content to see, you know, a beer league goalie out there with the women's national team. To show. I would I, love I, that. I forget who the comedian was. He said, you know, if we really want to – show how good even the worst Olympians are. We need to put a normal person in each each event. It would work better for track and field and stuff like that. But, you know, you see that person from some weird, you know, uh, isolated island country, and they're finishing dead last by 25 lengths, but they're still faster than every one of us. You know, we just, we don't realize yeah. that. <laughs> I actually, I did a crossover like thing like that. Um, it doesn't count because she wasn't just, a normal person she was a yeah. pro soccer player but like I think it's on my YouTube channel we like she played goalie put on all my equipment and then I played soccer goalie and I almost killed myself like running sideways into the goal post <laughs> but that was that was a fun time well, that's like I love Kendall Coyne Schofield and her husband he's a Super Bowl oh, winning you know, football amazing. player and yeah. And they'll do these different things and, you know, it's just kind of showing, you know, like, yeah, he's this great, talented athlete too, but he can't do what she does and she can't do what he does. They're different skills. Exactly. It, it is yeah. fun to see those. Um, yeah. So Kendall, Kendall Coyne's dad went to my high school with my dad and then my dad worked with her husband's dad at the fire department. So it's like, if I oh, wanted geez. to, I could 
probably you know connect paths with the two of them it's just it's funny how small the world is yeah um but back to your art you know as you said kind of that realization of you know the, the reality of women's pro hockey at that point was kind of drove you back into the studio mm-hmm. um you know was it one of those things when you started that you thought i i want to have you know my stuff in a gallery and have shows like you are now or was it just you know, a lot of friends I know that are artists, you know, it's just the art speaking to them. They, they, they got to get those emotions out. And was it more of that? And then you stood back and you're like, wow, I've got something here. I think it started more, yeah, with like the message and like what I was, you know, sitting down with my teammates and we're just like, you know, in 2018, we won the Isabel Cup championship and we got these championship rings but none of us knew that like you know even the year before and the the first year that the players paid for the rings and so Mm -hmm. um you know our captains would send a message on the group chat and be like okay venmo me this or pay directly to legend rings like x amount and it was only like a hundred or something dollars but it's like just the principle like no one we felt like no one knew any of this and sorry my dog's crying Lenny. that's our i was gonna say what, what kind of dog is it because i'm surprised mine haven't been barking yet come here you want to show your face <laughs> he is a oh. lab <laughs> <laughs> yeah, German Shepherd Beagle mix. Oh, so you know, not not a wallflower by any means. No, he <laughs> he's a little overweight, as the vet said. Yeah, seventy pounds. So yeah, we we have a uh, petite golden doodle who's very codependent. So if my door wasn't shut, she'd probably be in my lap right now. <laughs> <laughs> um, yeah. but back to your question. Yeah, I think. It was just the messaging that I wanted to get across first, but then I'm like, I really do want to get back into like formal art again. Like Mm -hmm. that was where I felt like the most alive instead of, I mean, architecture for me is a like and art is a love. And Mm -hmm. while I still enjoy like the design aspects of architecture and you know, the challenges of it and, um, like solving problems and stuff. I just love being the freedom of creating, you know, whatever you want. And so it started with the ring painting and then Leonard, no. (laughs) Um, and then evolved into seven paintings, four installations, and two videos. And debuted at MSG, hosted by the Rangers. Went to two galleries, and then was hosted by the Kraken. I was on NHL Live, NHL Now Live, which was amazing. Yeah. Um, and moving forward, I'm in talks with other NHL teams uh, to host next season. So that's um, awesome. And some other uh, like. NHL commission related work. Um, so definitely tapping into like, you know, the sports realm for, for my art business. Um, but don't want to rule out, you know, like my own personal interests. I think, um, I'll try to work on a show involving like Buffalo architecture and materials soon also. That's awesome. So I want to be mindful of time because you still want to get a workout in. And as I mentioned in our texts, then 
taking we're taking my nephew out for dinner tonight because he goes off to boot camp next week for the Navy. So we're very proud of him. Awesome. Uh, so I end every episode with a list of 10 questions. I used to call them rapid fire questions, but that's not true. But they're the same 10 questions I've asked every um, guest from, you know, Bantam Goalie to Eddie Belfour to Sammy Joe Small. Every single person gets the same 10 questions questions okay uh so the first one is what's the craziest coaching moment from your playing days where a coach just lost it lost it um i would say Herbies in our days at Colgate. <laughs> Do you know what that is on the ice? Oh yeah. Okay. Oh yeah. I, I'm from Minnesota. Of course, we know what a Herbie is. <laughs> okay. That was yeah. not fun at all. Yeah. Um, yeah. I think I would say that was like the 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 craziest like reaction from a coach I've had in terms of like uh, discipline. Yeah. I, when I was growing up we, in Chicago, we didn't call them Herbies. They called them 60-second drills because they would put the time on the clock. And, you know, as a squirt, you had 60 seconds to complete the whole thing. And here I am with my 70s-era goalie equipment that weighs more than I do. I'm like, that's not <laughs> happening. Nope. <laughs> not yeah, happening. We were, uh, and, we, and, you know, it would all work out like if the goalies – we're all on the in the one group, and then the next group went without any goalies. We would have no rest time. Ah, uh, that so, was the worst. Yeah. I, I, for some reason, I was pretty fast, and we would do this drill in high school where it was uh, called catch the dog or something like that. And one skater would start on the blue line, and everybody else would start on the goal line. If somebody caught them, then they didn't have to do the next one. Well they would put me on the blue line to start mm-hmm. and nobody had me until I had to make that turn around the net with my goalie skates. I was like, Nope. And my yeah. coach is like, if we could just go straight for, you know, 400 feet, you beat everybody. He's like, it's the turn that hurts you. I was like, yeah, yeah. yeah. It is. Um, so th- this one's going to be interesting because of your art background. What's your favorite all time goalie mask? Are you talking like someone else's mask? Well, any mask? Any mask. I mean, if, if yours is your favorite, t- hey, I'm not going to judge, you know. I'm going to be straight up with you. I don't really have a whole lot of time to watch <laughs> really any sports on TV. Yeah. Much less, like, just guys or, or female. Yeah. Um, okay, so I'll pick one of mine. What what mask of mine is my favorite? Um. Probably my my Buffalo Buttes one. Um, I have like my favorite water tower on the side um, from Buffalo. I have like some bricks and it says like Buffalo and a heart. It was actually like graffiti on a building. Just like a lot of architectural elements um, on that mask. I like and the blue color is cool. I was going to say I think I've seen that one, and if it's the one I'm thinking of, yeah, it's it's pretty cool. Mm-hmm. Um, your Riveter one was pretty darn cool. Riveter too. one's cool, and that was part of like a fan like selection too. Okay, cool. Yeah. Um. So the next question: What's your favorite rink that you've played at? 
Oh. Um. I'll pick from college, I guess. Uh, sorry. <laughs> that's all right. No, I, I, I love it because to, to me, that's just, that's life. And, and our dogs love us. And they're like, no, pay attention to me. <laughs> I, I think I actually really like Dartmouth's rink. Just how, like, tall it was. Okay. Second, second, I guess, runner-up is Yale. Um, I don't know if you've ever been to Yale's rink. But, I haven't. What, what's it about Yale's but, rink that you like? So, warming up, like, the at the top level, you'd, like, run like this, and it's, like, kind of, like, wavy because the design is sort of mimicking, like, a whale's, like, hump. Okay. Kind of. Oh, cool. Um, yeah, if you look at it, the... There's, like, a central, like, spine thing that goes, like, up and down, like, a wave in the middle. Um, yeah. You've, you've now got me Googling Yale Ice Arena. Yeah. <laughs> um, which, yeah, in fact, I coached it. No, he went to Harvard. One of the kids I coached, um, oh, yeah, that, that is a cool-looking rink. It, um, yeah, it's really cool. I, I almost uh, get... Seattle vibes looking at it. Two very different looking yeah. rinks, but it, it kind of has Seattle vibes. You're that. right. That yeah. is a cool rink. Mm-hmm. Um, okay, now, now I want to go there. Yeah. <laughs> uh, so the next question, what's your favorite stick that you use? Favorite stick? Oh, I use like, I used Sherwood back in the day. Um, but The old Sherwood um, uh, yeah. 9950s were they? Like composite sticks, definitely like the Supreme was my favorite in college. Yeah, I, I haven't gone composite yet, but those wood ones are getting harder and harder to find. So I know it's only a matter yeah. of time till I got to open up the wallet and pay for a composite stick. But What, uh, what stick yeah. do you use? Uh, I've been using the Warrior Swaggers, but uh, when I got my last one, because I, I got a set of uh, red, white, and black Vons. So when I got them, I was looking for a new stick and I saw on, uh, I think it was Pro Stock Hockey, they had a red, white, and black Vaughn goalie stick. I was like, well, I got to go with that one because it matches the equipment. And I, I absolutely yeah. love it. It's the Keith Kincaid uh, curve. Is yeah, I was going to say, Vaughn has like not old school sticks. Yeah. 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 So that, that's what I'm using right now. And I love it. And just to look with my pads, because I got the same graphic I had prior to which is the uh legacy graphic from 1999 that Belfour had when they won the cup so mm-hmm. it just it, it looks good with my pads and at my age it's more about looks than it is skill <laughs> <laughs> love it yeah um so what's your favorite youth hockey memory i hmm oh i got a good one um my team would always lose against Assabet Valley. <laughs> so this team was just so annoying to play against. And I would say highlight of my, well, there was a lot of good memories playing tribal, like girls hockey. But um, when we beat Assabet Valley in a shootout, I think it, this was at the, like the Connecticut Polar Bear Tournament. Um, and we were like, we finally beat them. That was like amazing. 
<laughs> Those are always fun when you, you know, slay the dragon. I remember it was uh, my senior year of high school, our, our, our travel, my, my high school team, we weren't very good freshmen and sophomore year JV combined in league play. We went 138 and one. Um, so our, our tribal week, us graduating seniors, we hadn't beaten them. And there was just this feeling all week going into our final matchup with Maris. And we're like, no, it, it's not happening this time. We are going to beat these SOBs. Yeah. And the funny thing is like, we grew up playing hockey. So most of the kids on the, the Maris team were our teammates from youth hockey you know, they were our neighbors, you know, some were best friends, but it's like, once we hit that ice, we were from rival schools because schools are a mile and a half apart. So we hated each other in that regard. We just came out and had a heck of a game. And I remember the clock was counting down and my one teammate came by and he's like, it's happening. It's ha- We have bragging rights over these yes. kids, you know, from here on out. Cause the last time we played them, we beat them. <laughs> it was like, yes, that's all that matters. Amazing. Um, so what's the best chirp you've heard on the ice, off the ice, directed at you, not directed at you? Um, I feel like being a female goalie, there's a lot of five hole <laughs> chirps. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. Um, didn't love those, but, um, the best chirp. I like the grocery stick ones where you're like, you're such a grocery stick. That was so like 2000s. I'm dating myself, but um, grocery stick meaning like you divide the forwards and D on the bench and you just sit there. <laughs> I, I like that. That That's awesome. That's the first time I've actually heard that. Really? Um, yes. Maybe that's because I always sat at the end of the bench so I could talk to the other goalie. Um yeah, in fact, we we're, were playing uh, one junior B team um, the one time, and he's like, other goalies looking over him. He's like, so do you guys not fight because you're a Catholic school? And I looked at him, and was like, no, we don't fight because we're wearing full cages, and it doesn't me- make yeah, sense. Doesn't and he's like, oh, I suppose that's right. And in my mind, I'm going, yeah, you're not going to be coming here and taking my spot, not with those <laughs> those uh, smarts there. Um, but I, I like at the grocery stick um so uh next question what is the worst post-game beer you've had or or just beverage in general any light beer now after college i taste it tastes like i'm licking the beer pong table (laughs) so uh (laughs) a huge like ipa gal now um so yeah, I don't really love the light beers after after games, but it's okay. It's you, a beer. You might, you might be the first one I've heard that prefers the IP, uh, yeah. IPA after a game. Yeah, probably. You know, I, I like IPAs, but I'll take that light beer right after I get off the ice. Too thirsty, yeah. Right, it, but once once I get into the parking lot, then I'm opening up that IPA if they got. <laughs> yeah. They, yeah. I'm all over that. Um, yeah. I, I was uh, filling in for a, a game here, and it was for a co-ed team, and the gal that was in charge of beer that night, she's like, hey, you want a beer before the game? I'm like, well, yeah, because I, I found one beer before the game actually makes me play better. It, like, calms me down or something. I don't know. And she tosses me a stout with an ABV of, like, 8%. And I was like, 
do you want me to stop pucks tonight or yeah. what? Like, this is not a pregame beer. In fact, this isn't even a postgame beer because we all have to drive home. And she's like, right. yeah, I don't know what I was thinking. It's like, I'm not going to drink this before the game. I'll wait till after. But every, every time I skate with that team, I was like, so what would you bring for pregame beers? And she's like, I learned my lesson. Don't worry. Yeah. <laughs> um, light. Yeah. It, it, it's funny. Like you said, those light beers for that first drink right after you get off the ice because it's darn near water anyway. That's yeah. why they're refreshing. But after that first one, yeah, let, let's get into something a little nicer yeah. and more refined. Um as I say that, my nephew wouldn't be drinking out on the farm. <laughs> um, so when you tape your stick, you go heel to toe or toe to heel. And I ask this because this is a very divisive answer for many goalies. Mm-hmm. I do heel to toe. Okay. You are in the majority of goalies. I've, I've had two different goalies uh, say that those that go toe to heel are psychopaths. <laughs> I, I won't go. I won't step into that fight, but I'm looking at, I'm going, you might, you might be onto something. Yeah. <laughs> um, I don't, the, the, I don't the, know anyone who does toe to heel. Now that I think about it, the ones that I've talked to, most of them that go toe to heel are very much into playing the puck and very good at it. And, uh, I was talking to Connor Beaupre. He's the wild e-bug. And he said, you know, it's because he plays the puck and the way the puck comes off and everything else. I'm like, I kind of suck at playing the puck, so that the way seems, I tape the maybe, yeah maybe the way doing something wrong <laughs> the way I tape the stick isn't going to impact my yeah. you know puck play. Um, although this summer I've been trying to work on that a little bit more. Um, who knows? Maybe I'll get more than one assist this coming season. Nice. <laughs> you know, if if you can't get one assist in beer league hockey each season, you probably have issues uh, as a goalie. <laughs> That's just my feeling. So what's your favorite number to wear and why? I've always worn number one. Um, I don't really know why. I don't really have a reason. I think I just like that it's unique and it's number one. Yeah. (laughs) Yeah. Well, it's a goalie number that not many goalies do wear anymore. Yeah. 30. I I guess my backup number would be like 31. Okay. Still um, keeping that one in there. Yeah, keeping the one. Yeah. Um, so the last question, what advice do you have for young goalies? I would say keep working hard because I feel like I underestimated myself almost. Like I'd never really – even like as a senior in high school, I was never even like thinking about the next step. And um, I think it's very easy to like underestimate um, the work that you put in and like the, the outcome of it. So um, I think you'll surprise yourself if you just like nose down, do the hard work and keep keep at it and I know everything's like super repetitive as a goalie or it can be um and also become a very very good skater so I think what helped me like early on in my career was my parent my dad would take me to like all these power skating lessons and just like being really good at with my edges and like skating with 
you know, with my goalie equipment on even, um, mm-hmm. I think helped me, um, navigate some of the like more complex movements and stuff. Yeah. And you're hearing more and more of that of, you know, be, be a good skater. And, uh, I was trying to remember who they had on the end goal podcast this weekend. Um, Oh God, I can't remember. He, he just signed in Buffalo, uh, too, but he talked about as a pro goalie going to a stick and puck and just going out there and even open skate going out there in his bottoms and just working on his footwork, you know, yeah. and here's a pro goalie doing that, you know, on his own, just like, yep. Skating's that important. I'm going to go out to a local open skate yeah. and do my, do my footwork just so that I can get ice time. I went to um, like, so that's I awesome. went to Bob Janos uh, goalie sessions also when I was, growing up and even like now um yeah but he has just like skating only sessions for like an hour and you just do like goalie movement basically and then the next hour is with pucks and you're just like dead for the second session but it's such a good workout and good thing to attend yeah that growing up i would go to the darren mccluskey greater chicago goaltending school um and it's funny i just recently found darren email and we've been going back and forth and mm-hmm. um yeah the, the first three quarters of the skate was just movement drills and the, the mm-hmm. one drill i loved and i hated at the same time we would have to stand on the ice all of us in our you know ready stance and he, he really believed in a good strong ready stance and a strong grip on that stick and the instructors would skate around they would take swings to knock that stick out of our hands <laughs> They'd be pushing our heels, just trying to knock you over. It's like if, if you dropped that stick or got knocked over, like you had to do up downs, you know. Yeah, it's yeah. just like you did not want to get, you know, knocked, knocked over or any of that. It was just kind of funny on how, how that worked out. Um, yeah. yeah. So um again, be mindful of time. Uh, I, where can people find you on social media and uh follow your, your art? Um so on instagram my personal instagram is underscore the daily sass d-a-i-l-y and my art let me just check that i have this right (laughs) and i'll have links in the show notes so that yeah it's easy for people sass studio underscore art on instagram Fantastic. And, and I'll put links to that as well as the website too, because people can check out the art yes. as well as pick up some pretty awesome uh, apparel at the same time. KimberlySmith.com. Uh, yep. <laughs> yep. And like you said, it's some pretty awesome uh, sweatshirts and t-shirts and uh, mm-hmm. whatnot. So I'll put that in there and uh, thank you. And I'm sure we'll keep in touch. And if the art stuff with the NHL brings you to Minnesota. Let me know. And uh, I owe you an IPA. Yes. <laughs> sounds good. <laughs> it was really fun getting to know Kimberly. I wish we had more time to chat, but I had an important dinner to get to with my nephew who ships off to Navy boot camp this coming Monday. As a girl dad whose daughter loves art, but also has a technical side to her, There were so many questions I could have asked Kimberly. I would have also loved to have gone deeper into her connections with the PWHPA and the fight for equality in sports. 
You can find Kimberly on social media at underscore the daily sass and her art at at sassstudio underscore art. And be sure to check out her website, which features some of her art, which you can purchase at KimberlySass.com. That's S-A-S-S. You can find me on Instagram, Twitter, Facebook, and YouTube simply by searching for Wash Up Goalie and I'll pop up. Visit WashUpGoalie.com for some great hockey-related content, my beer league hockey video highlights when the season rolls around, and of course, all podcast episodes. If you want some Wash Up Goalie or Tendy Talk apparel, be sure to visit my Threadless shop by clicking the merchandise link on the website. If you like this podcast, go listen to the BLPA Big Show. It's the OG BLPA Podcast Network show where a couple of beer league players talk beer league hockey, draft experience shenanigans, and exploits from around the game. Be sure to check out the full lineup of hockey-related podcasts on the Hockey Podcast Network as well. There are too many lists here, but shows like the Hockey Unfiltered Podcast with Ken Campbell, the Bar Down Breakdown Podcast, and the House of Hockey Podcast can all be found. If you're looking for something good to read, get yourself a subscription to the Vintage Tendy Magazine. Published quarterly, the magazine takes a deep dive into an 80s slash 90s era goalie. In the first five issues, they've covered Felix Potvin, Grant Fuhr, Tim Chevelday, Jocelyn Thiebel, Ken Reggett, John Van Beesbrook, and episode 20 guest, mask painter and designer, Don Strauss. I need to thank the band The Zambonis for allowing me to use their music on my episodes. You can download their music on iTunes or listen wherever you stream music from. I'm always working on lining up other goalies to talk to. If you are a goalie or have connections to a goalie who I should talk to, shoot me an email at washupgoalie39 at gmail.com or send me a DM on social media. Let's not forget, if you're a brand who wants to sponsor the show, be sure to reach out to me. I'd be happy to talk. And finally, if you like what you hear, be sure to subscribe, rate, and comment on the podcast platform you're listening on. It's a quick action on your part that helps others find Tendy Talk. So, until next time, keep your stick on the ice and your body square to the puck.
any good news? Well, Dave, the pond? Yeah. It's a road right over.